0: previously on the sports refuge podcast
1: i do love ketchup but not on a sausage but like on a hot dog or burger yes
2: (laughs) and i've always judged you for that vanessa
0: from delaware almost live this is a sports refuge podcast this is the weekly podcast featuring interviews with guests discussing their connection to sports and now here's your host earl holland Welcome to the Sports Refuge, the show where guests discuss their connection to sports. Episode 61 is on the feed, and I'm your host, Earl Holland. Linwood Outlaw and Andre Watson share a lot of bonds, as the two University of Maryland Eastern Shore classmates were not only roommates, but also pursued careers in journalism. But the biggest connection the two share is their love for pro wrestling. As a result, Linwood and Andre have attended several major wrestling events, including the Super Bowl of Wrestling, WrestleMania, on several occasions. In this episode... Outlaw and Watson discuss what goes into planning a WrestleMania trip, as well as their experiences going to other events, such as the debut episode of All Elite Wrestling Dynamite and the AEW Full Gear pay-per-view held in Baltimore, Maryland. Linwood and Andre also discuss their thoughts on wrestling and some stars that have been overlooked in the title scene in WWE. And now, here's my interview with Linwood Outlaw and Andre Watson. Andre Watson, and Linwood Outlaw, two people I went to the University of Maryland Eastern Shore with, and that, honestly, I didn't know that they were big wrestling fans until after we got out of college. I did not know that. I wish I had known that beforehand because it have been great to actually watch SmackDown during those days when it was really good and, of course, we didn't have, we didn't have the cable at UMS because they decided to not put on spike tv or tnn there because if you had usa which they did at the time nobody expected them to jump from usa to, to spike and then of course we all know sometimes you can say that the U.S. administration didn't care about the students but that's a different story for a different time and i am glad to have you guys be a part of it so how are you guys doing today
1: doing good man
2: doing all right man i just got to correct you really quick i think you were in the student departments right
0: Oh yeah, I was in sitting apartment. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So, when I were in Hawks Landing, we had cable, so we were watching yep. Raw. <laughs> yeah. So we were watching Raw every week. I don't know if I should admit that because Raw was pretty terrible. Freshman uh, year like, was a
1: struggle. It was that was the struggle. That
2: Freshman. was a struggle. Yep. Freshman year in Court Plaza, but once we got to Hawks Landing, we had Raw and SmackDown every week, so everything was good. I mean, I kind of wish we didn't have Raw because Raw was, you know, that was the Triple H era, and that, was, that was it was terrible. But yeah, we, we had Mick. Raw. J.D. Dick, <laughs> all that terrible stuff. <laughs> Awful.
1: Terrible.
0: And for people who may have not have heard the podcast before, both of you guys, to give maybe a brief refresher, how did you guys get interested in wrestling?
2: So it was my great-grandfather, actually, from what I was told. Um, I spent about six years of my grandparents in South Carolina when my dad was getting a divorce, and he was you know, going all over the world for the military. So during that time, my great-grandfather would come take me from my grandparents' house and take me to Columbia, South Carolina, Sumter, South Carolina, all over South Carolina to go see Jim Crockett promotions. And as my grandmother explained it to me, he used to take you to see some Flair versus Dust person. I don't know who these people are, but Flair Dust, I don't know. Obviously, she's talking about Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes during that time period. So that was basically it. And I just remember, like, for me, the first memory I have of wrestling is the first class of the champions, which would have been in... uh, 1988, um, going head to head against WrestleMania Four, and I remember watching that on on TBS, Flair versus Sting. So that's really the first memory I have. But I was told that you know I used to go to uh to wrestle with my great grandfather, and I've been pretty much hooked ever since. Uh, my my dad doesn't watch wrestling. My grandparents didn't watch wrestling. It was just my great grandfather, and it just stuck with me all these years later.
1: Yeah, for me, so <laughs> I always think about I know it was uh, 93, and I think I was having a sleepover uh, one weekend at my house, my mom's house, where I was I'm living with growing up. And we were watching WWE superstars, and they were doing a recap of the, the Monday night show when Crush had returned, and he had attacked Randy Savage. You guys remember that episode? Mm-hmm. Man, it was like the recap was so dramatic. I'm sitting there watching. I never really watched wrestling at all to that point. Um, and the, my friend who was over for the sleepover, he loved it. He watched it. He had, in fact, that weekend, he brought over his wrestling figures to play with. I didn't even have a collection of wrestling figures at that point. If I did, I played with the, you know, figures from the other kids in neighborhood, things like that. So I never actually really sat down and watched it until that weekend. And I just remember being so mesmerized. I was like, man, Crush is leading into this guy. He's destroying this dude. And it was just he just like it was just an all out assault I was just mesmerized with and I was just captivated more so than anything by like the drama of it and I was like man I got to watch what happens next week and then from there it was, I was just hooked man I mean it just took off from there it snowballed i think maybe a couple of months later i went to my first wrestling match that was in baltimore I kept pestering my father to buy me action figures, which he did begrudgingly. Uh, and it just it just snowballed, man. It just started from that one episode Superstar recapping when uh, Crush uh, turned on Randy Savage and turned him. It just all started from there. So I'll say late 93 is when I, I got into wrestling.
0: And for me, I started getting into wrestling about 94, right after, basically the best timeline is right after WrestleMania 10, right after Hogan got, to WCW, and honestly, I know I was watching WCW and WWF consistently wherever I could. I know my whole weekend schedule when it came to wrestling was this. It was 9 a.m. watching WCW Pro. Then 10, mm-hmm. WWF Mania. 10. Oh yeah, Worldwide came on at 2 in Salisbury, yeah. and then at 12, it was Superstars. Uh, WWF mm-hmm. Superstars, and then that huge gap until 6. six uh, yep. That was a Saturday night, of course. Yep. And then yep. on Sunday, you had either Action Zone or All-American Wrestling mm-hmm. by that time yep. at, what, I think 11 or 12. Then main event at 6.05 on TBS. And then before Nitro began, Monday Night Raw at 9. Those were pretty much the shows, and you can think about that. A whole weekend full of wrestling and it what, 94, 95, before the yeah. birth of Nitro That's insane That's close to 10 hours Depending on whether the Braves were playing or not On TBS Because yeah. that would always be the determinant factor Whether you get two hours of Saturday night or not Because, man, I'd be mad mm-hmm. that uh, the Braves are You know, cutting off wrestling But, I mean, that's the way You probably got some uh, some wrestling fans that End up being Braves fans Because they would watch wrestling enough And they'd basically get uh, subliminal messages Of, you know, sticking with the Braves and all that
2: well, I mean, yeah, I was in South Carolina, so, you know, I was a Braves fan because, number one, that's all I could say. I mean, well, we got WGN, too, so I saw the Cubs, too, but the Braves had a single-A affiliate uh, in town in Sumter um, back in the late 80s. And like you said, TBS, I mean, it would come on either, you know, nights or whatever, you know, if they preempted wrestling or whatnot. So, yeah, I definitely could see a lot of wrestling fans becoming Braves fans.
0: Yeah, and I think that's it's crazy if depending on whether you were watching like a super station in Chicago or New York or Atlanta, depending on, you know, how much you grew up watching it, that would probably also made an impact on your fandom and other sports too. Because I know there was a point where I could get <laughs> WGN and TBS. And I didn't get yep. WGN until like the late nineties when we were getting satellite, but I can remember my whole cable channel. That that's all it was it was like TBS was channel nine. We had mm-hmm. Basically, a chunk of Baltimore and Washington stations, and then we had the two or three Salisbury stations plus PBS.
2: Yeah, I mean, same thing with WGN. I had access to Michael Jordan growing up, so that's kind of why I became yeah. a Bulls fan, too, because I you know, I, I was able to watch all their games.
0: So, the biggest thing I wanted to ask you guys about, I know you are, of course, being huge wrestling fans, and I've gotten both of your experiences of going to WrestleMania, but I always thought it would be great to have you both talk about the whole WrestleMania experiences you guys have gone to numerous ones more than I could imagine more than I could ever dream of and wanted to get an insight about what it was like really preparation planning the experiences there I can imagine for wrestling fans how can you not love the fact there's so much wrestling going on around those weekends
2: Yeah um and I was thinking about this and would I mean you can feel free to correct me and I was thinking about how all this started and To the best of my recollection, you know, when we were in college, you know, after I found out what was a wrestling fan, we talked about, man, just one day we're going to go to WrestleMania. One day we're going to go to WrestleMania. And I think it was like in 2004, um, you know, when when Mania was going to be at uh, Madison Square Garden for WrestleMania 20. And at that point, they had a pattern. It seemed like WWE had a pattern of every 10 years they were holding Mania at the Garden. WrestleMania 1, the Garden. Mm -hmm. WrestleMania 10, the Garden. WrestleMania 20, the Garden. So I think we talked about, okay, man, so cool. So it's 2004. So if the pattern sticks in 10 years, they're going to have WrestleMania 30 at the Garden. We're going to the Garden. So whatever, I, I guess we made that pack or whatever. The years went by. Um, and I remember watching WrestleMania 28 in 2012 on my couch with my wife and my mother-in-law. And I'm watching it, watching you know the pay-per-view. And this is back in a day where you didn't know where the next year's WrestleMania was going to be until... You were watching that WrestleMania. This is before they started doing these press conferences and all that, like a year and a half in advance of when the next WrestleMania was gonna be. And it flashed across my screen that WrestleMania 29 was gonna be in North Jersey at MetLife Stadium. And I was just like, oh my God. I wasn't really prepared because we were thinking we, they were gonna go to the garden for 30. So that was our plan. And I was like, oh my God. And I, Pretty sure I text Wood, I'm like, yo, I don't think you're watching this, but they're saying WrestleMania 29 is gonna be at MetLife. We're in there, we gotta figure it out. I don't know what's gonna happen, we're gonna we're be in there. And then that's when it all started as far as like the planning and all that stuff. Wood, I don't know if you remember it that way, but that's the way yeah. I remember it.
1: Yeah, that's how I remember it pretty much. Cause I remember around that time, it was like after WCW had folded and everything, Um I was kind of watching wrestling like off and on-ish. And you know what, once we got into to working for a living, and things like that. Um, I was just more so wrapped up in the work and things like that. And then we'll watch wrestling so often. So I didn't realize until Dre had told me that they were going to have it at MetLife Stadium. He's like, this is it, man. We're going. We're there. And I remember not really believing it. It was like, okay, like, yeah, we're going to WrestleMania. But it didn't hit me. Like, I'm actually going to go to WrestleMania because I always told Dre, I said, look, man, if I had never met you, I would never been to one WrestleMania, let alone the five I've been to. I always tell them that all the time because it's like I just never really thought that it would happen. You know, I never thought that I'd be around people who would take it seriously enough to go. Like, you know what I mean? Because I always felt like it was like like the Super Bowl almost. It's like one of those like events that you always think about going to or want to go to. Like I've had friends who was like, man, I wish I could have went to a WrestleMania during the Attitude Era. You know what I mean? You just didn't think that you would get that close to that big event because it's right up there. Like like I said, you Super Bowl. Look, man, I'm 36 years old and I've never been to Super Bowl. Never thought I would go to um, one WrestleMania, let alone multiple ones. And that first one, it didn't hit me that I was going until like maybe a couple of days before until we actually arrived in the New York, New Jersey area, man. And it's just like it was just a different world there. But, yeah, that's how I remember it pretty much. And Dre, like I said, thanks again, man. This is the, the master planner of all of this. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, it's just, it's it's like, I don't even know to this day how he managed to plan it year after year after year after year after year, but he handles it, stays on top of it, always plans <laughs> great trips, man. Dre, thanks, brother. Thank you.
2: That's the thing, Earl. So, like, I, I've always been kind of like a planner, so like, I plan my damn wedding, man. You know, because my wife didn't like the plan. She didn't like the plan. So I planned my wedding. Um But yeah, with the Mania trips, yeah, I mean, that first year might have been like, I might have got off to a quote unquote late start compared to how I do it now. But yeah, I mean, that Mania was announced in April. I think I started planning like in August of 2012, you know, for WrestleMania and just kind of looked at hotels and looked at where I wanted to stay up there and what we wanted to do and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, every year it seems like I started planning earlier and earlier. So that first year I kind of felt like I got off to a late start. If you ask me now, like when I started planning, like now wouldn't already have our room booked for next year in LA. Yeah, It's already been like a month and a half since we had that lockdown. So that tells you how early I started planning these things because stuff can get crazy.
0: Is it when you really start hearing the whispers that it's going to be in LA or when that announcement is made, then you start locking everything down?
2: Uh, So right now, yeah, the whispers, because the first thing you want to do, the most important thing is the hotel or where you're going to stay, because Mm -hmm. if you can get that locked in, your price is locked in and you're set because, you know, hotel rates rise. Once they figure out a special events coming into town, they can skyrocket. So that's the first thing I want to do that I make sure I do every single year. As soon as hotels become available to book, which is usually around like the 340-day mark as far as, you know, how far it's out from the event, I will lock a hotel in. But this case with LA, we found that Airbnbs were opened up. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to lock it in and I'll have a backup plan in case that falls through. But I mean, we got a great place um, for really good rates. So I'm happy with that. But, yes, basically the hotel is the first thing I do because those rates rise. you got to lock that rate in to make sure they don't skyrocket. And everything else, after that, everything else just falls into place.
0: How does airfare sort of handle into that, especially going across country? Uh, Is that one of those things you try to get ahead? I know you can only go but so far ahead at a particular moment when it comes to airfare.
2: To be honest, I still haven't mastered airfare. Um, I messed up, you know, this year in Tampa. And I should have known because Orlando was, like, similar. So I usually try to book our airfare like in September, October. That's when I usually open up for booking, and I figure those are the cheapest times, kind of like with with hotels. But it's really a crapshoot, man. Like Orlando, I well we drove, but I remember I rented a house in Orlando for my wife and my in laws and all that, and I booked my my uh in laws' airfare in like in the February of two thousand and seventeen and got like two fifty round trip each ticket. So. That was good, and I just looked at Tampa before all this stuff with the coronavirus hit, and they were around like two fifty. So I could have saved fifty bucks had I waited, but I booked my flight for Tampa back in October, November, or whatever. So flights are dicey. You don't want to book too early. Like international fans, they do that sometimes because you know I guess for some reason if you fly internationally, you want to book close to a year out. But for us in the states, it's really a crapshoot. And then would it be in spring break time and a special event? I don't really take any chances. I don't want it to skyrocket. I know New Orleans two years ago. If I would have tried to book at the end of February, forget it. It would have been like seven hundred dollars round trip. So
0: I always hear leaving out on Tuesdays are also good benefits. I mean, the, when we went to L.A., we tried to book it on a Tuesday and fly in and fly out because sometimes those are the easier flights if if you can get them. Because I know there's a sort of one of those, I guess, benefits and uh, discount flights.
2: Yeah. I mean, so we use it when we go, we usually go like a Thursday to Tuesday. So, Thursday, I guess, it's too close to Friday for us to get that good of a deal, right? So, yeah. I mean, I guess if we went in on a Wednesday or Tuesday, we could get, you know, a better deal. But then you're looking at another extra night or two at a hotel. So, I think it, it all balances out if you really think about it.
0: Among the places you've been, I know the the food that you have probably had at the different venues that you've been to, what were some of the best restaurants that you guys went to on your WrestleMania trips?
1: Mothers in New Orleans. That was my favorite spot. I don't know about Dre, but it takes a little while to get in. But once you get into that restaurant, it's well worth it, man. I mean, food is awesome. Among lots of other places, obviously in New Orleans, man, but... New Orleans, period, is my favorite WrestleMania destination. So many fans say they should have it there every year. It's the time of your life, man, I'm telling you. Every wrestling fan has to experience that. And I don't know, because, like, once you experience it, I don't know if if any other wrestling show will be the same after that. But um, the Mothers for me, that's my favorite uh, restaurant to visit whenever I'm in New Orleans for an event for WrestleMania.
2: Yeah, I gotta agree. I mean, you know, we've been down there twice, and each time it was great, and Yeah, I mean, New Orleans as a whole, I mean, WrestleMania, it's the GOAT. WrestleMania, the whole city, everything is so close. You're literally around thousands of wrestling fans for five, six days. You really can feel WrestleMania take over. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing. Like, some of these markets are bigger than others, right? So, New Orleans is a small market. So, when WrestleMania comes in, it really takes over. You can tell they have banners everywhere. You can see all the wrestling fans. You can't walk more than five steps and not see a wrestling fan in town for WrestleMania. Contrast that with New York. When we went last year up to New Jersey and in New York, New York is so big, it swallows up WrestleMania. You couldn't even really tell that WrestleMania was in Mm -hmm. town because you got people on the subway going to work. Like We rarely ran into any wrestling fans. But yeah, Mothers is up there, definitely. Just all in New Orleans, all the food in New Orleans was fantastic. Um, Trying to think, oh, Dallas, man. We went to Dallas, had some great barbecue. We went to uh, the Pecan Lodge in Dallas.
1: Yeah, cool. that was another good spot. Yeah, oh, man, they had yeah. great food there.
2: Some of the best. Dallas always.
1: Ever. I always said what I liked about Dallas is like I felt like I was in New Orleans without the Bourbon Street
2: when I was there
1: for WrestleMania. It was a fun town. Uh, they also had great food. The brisket was phenomenal. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they also had great food. It just felt like New Orleans without Bourbon Street. That's what I felt like when we went Dallas.
0: It's funny, you were talking about New Orleans and I was just watching the AEW and Jim Ross was talking about he can't wait to go to Dragos. I've been there. Oh my God, they have the best. I don't know how big fans of oysters you guys are, but they have the best char-grilled oysters in New Orleans. And oh my God, they are so good. They will put them on a gas stove and they'll butter them, herb, garlic, two types of cheese. The best. And they are worth it.
2: Wow, that wasn't even on my radar. W- where is that located? It is Down
0: inside there. the Hilton, not that far from Bourbon Street. In fact, it's near the convention center in New Orleans because I was there for a med- medical convention. Uh, yeah, I was waiting till the, my last night there to go get some of those oysters. But man, they are good. Yeah, like I said, I know some people are sort of iffy about about some types of seafood or seafood in general. But I have to recommend, I mean, us being Marylanders, you know, being a Marylander and not being into seafood, you got to wonder what's wrong. That's (laughs) like being a Texan, not being into steak or being from Kansas City and not liking
2: ribs. (laughs) Yep, true, true, true.
0: That is definitely a great place to go if you are in the mood and you're in New Orleans for really, really good charbroiled oysters. Going out to LA, are there any particular places you're looking to check out there? And I, I'm assuming that Roscoe's might be on top of the list, but that's a sad stereotype that it's easy to fall into.
1: I mean, I, I, if we can get there, I would love to go. If we can go to Roscoe's, I'd love to go there. <laughs>
2: I hadn't even really thought about it, but yeah, absolutely. You know, I was just worried about locking down that, that place to stay and I would get into all the sites and everything later. But yeah, absolutely. If we can get there, definitely love to go. I mean, we're going to be out there from Thursday to Tuesday, so... Um, we should have time to get out there. I don't know. Where is it located at? Is uh, it downtown or?
0: I think there's a couple of different locations. I know that when I went. Now, this is my opinion that to me, there's one in Hollywood. There's in West, one in West L.A. and one in South L.A. So there's like three locations. I personally felt that the waffles were absolutely great. They were like huge. They were like, imagine a Frisbee on a plate. That's how big they were. To me, the chicken and I'm not a chicken snob whatsoever. I mean, as we go with the Dave Chappelle reference about being genetically predisposed to chicken, the chicken, eh, I wasn't thrilled with it. It wasn't horrible, but it's like, you know, I've had better. Just like you've seen in Liar Liar at that <laughs> one scene where Jim Carrey says, I've had better. <laughs> and he, he thinks thinking to himself, I've had better. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's pretty much, I've had better, but I will say this. Again, some of the places we went, we went to Pink's Hot Dogs, where they have all different types of hot dogs pretty good location. I, again, all that stuff, I can send that to you guys later when I when I think about it. We went to the pier in Santa Monica because the pier is not even that far from LA. And you know, you can actually say you've stuck your feet in the Pacific Ocean, you know, that way you can yeah. cross that off on your uh, bucket list of like, okay, stick my feet in the Pacific Ocean or stick my feet in the Atlantic and stick my feet in the Atlantic Ocean.
1: You know. Yeah, that's exactly, man. Just, yeah. just at least say that we've been there. I mean, that would be
0: cool just to say, "Hey,
1: yeah. finally, ate the Roscoe's in L.A. Oh, yeah. of all places." Oh, yeah, so
0: I, that's one of the things. I mean, I didn't even have that much time to check out everything in L.A. because like on such a short schedule, we were like there from like Tuesday to like Friday. So, and most of mm-hmm. times I was pretty much indisposed, of, so I couldn't even get out to there until after everything taping was done when I did those shows. But I know the biggest thing is the elephant in the room right now. WrestleMania in Tampa, such a huge, huge, huge uh, event with a lot of people, more so than probably most other sporting events, not named the Super Bowl. That has to be disconcerting, especially people who've shelled out the money for stuff like that. I can only imagine it has to be maddening.
2: You know, with Trump banning all foreign travel, with the exception of the U.K., there are a lot of fans in Europe that are SOL. They're just like, I can't get into the country, so a WrestleMania is canceled. You know, some of these people have never been to WrestleMania before, and their dream is canceled, or some of these people, this is their only vacation that they take a year, and it's not going to happen. WrestleCon, which is the big convention that runs, you know, opposite of WrestleMania every year, they canceled. So the owner, he said, if canceled without the city canceling, that could bankrupt WrestleCon, and that could bankrupt high spots. Now, he said that happened to him in Orlando, in 2017, whereas they had three hotels that year, and he said one of the hotels they didn't fill, so he was left holding the bag for all those rooms that he didn't fill. So, you know, given that, I don't really blame WWE for holding out, waiting on the city of Tampa, because, like, if they have a similar deal, now it's not going to bankrupt them, but that's still a lot of money to lose when you already had to revise guidance, when you reported your financial statements, you know, a couple weeks ago. A couple of months ago, whenever it was, from your first quarter. So, SmackDown was at the Performance Center. Raw is going to be at the Performance Center. They've rescheduled other events within the coming weeks. So, AEW's done the same thing.
1: Yeah, I had personally decided to forego this WrestleMania trip to Tampa because I think last year, even when it was decided they were going to Tampa, me and Dre were already hearing rumblings that it was going to be in LA in 2021. So I said, OK, well, I need to start saving up for that trip now, basically. Or I need to at least use this year to start saving up for the trip to L.A. But, you know, I obviously planned on watching on the network and, you know, looking forward to that show. And then as the card, as the match is kept announced, I kept texting Dre like last couple weeks saying, man, damn, I'm not going now. I wish I was going. Can you sneak me in your suitcase? Can you and a couple of buddies going down to WrestleMania find a way to sneak me in there, man? I was like, now I want to go, man. Get me down to WrestleMania. So, I mean, you know, just to see everything that, that's happening now with the, you know, coronavirus developments, it sucks, man. And then just watching SmackDown, it was just such a weird aura. It's like I give the staff so much credit because I think that under the circumstances, it was it was a great effort, great show that they put on. I, man, listen, that was one. Cena cut a great promo yesterday. I just wanted to oh, put that out there. That was an awesome promo that he cut yesterday. And then also, obviously, Bray did a good job, too. I mean, the guys did a great job, and I mean, it's challenging. Like, that's challenging to not have an audience and to go out there and perform. But, I mean, man, when you think about, like, there could be no WrestleMania at all this year. Man, that sucks. That really sucks. And I think that's a possibility. But, yeah, I think it's just inevitable that it will at least not go on on the scheduled date, which is April the 5th. Yeah. But, I mean, just think about it, man. I mean, it might not happen at all. That's terrible.
0: Yeah, you really notice, like with any sport, you have to feed off a crowd because they can sometimes really impact the tone of something. And it doesn't matter whether it's basketball, football, pro wrestling, because if the audience isn't responding, you're just sort of trying to find your footing. It's because you need something to give you that feedback. And I couldn't imagine, I'll, I'll try to eventually check out that SmackDown episode But unless everything was going to feel like it was rocking mankind when it comes to the wrestling matches, when when I think of empty arena (laughs) matches, that halftime heat from who knows how long ago, I just think it would be really weird, and especially, you know, And working in radio is a perfect example. You work in a place where you have all that sound buffering and everything, and it doesn't sound like you have that huge reverb effect. Mm -hmm. Imagine having an empty arena and just hearing every minute stuff. It's like watching that Orioles game with the White Sox in Baltimore, where there was nobody (laughs) in there, and you could just hear everything. It would be an ASMR person's dream. It is a very, very odd feeling just to imagine Mm -hmm. any type of sporting event going on in an empty arena. Going on to one of the other things, what is the best way to describe that feeling, going inside an arena for WrestleMania?
2: Um, awesome. Like, I remember, so I think I told you the last podcast, so 29 being our first, it was like an out-of-body experience. I've never been in a, a place with that many wrestling fans before inside one place. So, like, to see 70, 80,000 wrestling fans in one place, it was just like, Wow. I'm at WrestleMania, and, you know, I shed a tear because I was like, man, this is, this is, this is awesome. I had always wanted to be here since WrestleMania six. It was just mind-blowing, man. And then mm-hmm. as the years gone by, I've gotten used to it. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm at WrestleMania, and it's, it's always special. But that first time and seeing all those wrestling fans in one place, I was just like, wow, this is just unbelievable. This is what this is all about. It's, it's phenomenal.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like walking inside the stadium for the first time for WrestleMania. Nothing will ever top that. Regardless of what happens from the show from that point forward, it's like that initial rush when you get in for the first time. Yeah, I'm telling you, that's when it literally hit me. It was that day, like when we were actually going to MetLife Stadium. And I'm like, okay, dang, okay, we're actually going to really be at a WrestleMania. And then when you actually walk through the stadium and you see the stage, I had never seen a stage set up like that in person before, ever. Um, you know, the most the most I had seen was the RAW setup. I've been to like several RAW SmackDown episodes from during the Attitude Era. Those are like the. I thought that was something. When I saw those, I was like, wow, I'm at SmackDown. I thought that was pretty cool when I was in high school. I like, got yeah, at Raw. I'm at SmackDown. I went to several of those episodes. But when you see that WrestleMania setup, it's a big deal. And it's a different event, man. It just, it just captivates you. I had never been in an atmosphere like that. Like, I want to really reiterate that. Like, a stadium, a football stadium packed to the gills, filled to the top. Like, it does. football games will fill up the stadium the way that WrestleMania does, all right? And I mean, like, it's just, and it's so many people from around the world and the energy from the crowd. I never experienced that kind of energy ever. It's just like, it's just, it's, it just captivates you, man. It's it's just a, a fun atmosphere, lively atmosphere, like no other, man. I mean, that first WrestleMania, it just really just swooped me up, man. It was just like, wow. I knew WWE put on some good entertainment before, but this, that topped it.
0: How do you try to endure, especially a WrestleMania can probably go to lengths of maybe seven to ten hours. How do you endure the the highs and lows of going through something that long? And what are tips that you would give to anyone who maybe going to a WrestleMania for the first time in the near future? What they should do to sort of handle all the I guess pageantry and everything that goes on that goes on
2: along with it.
1: Choose your bathroom breaks wisely. All right, take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: True, true, true. It's actually, you know, it's, we refer to it now, you know, as, as we've gone to, you know, these multiple WrestleManias, we refer to the WrestleMania day now as a work shift. Because, <laughs> like you said, I mean, it's literally where we get to the stadium at like, pre-show starts at like five. So we're in the stadium from like three to like midnight. So within the last couple years, I've realized the best way to handle it, there are two ways. Either choose your seats wisely. So for me, I'm picking out, I will only sit in club because you have more legroom, the bathrooms are better, less lines for concessions, all that stuff. But last year in New York, in Jersey, that was the best way to handle it. We were in a suite. And let me tell you something, I didn't even feel like I was there for seven hours because I was up walking around. We had a lot of room. I wasn't confined to this small ass seat. I mean, it was great. Like I, you know, there was a match I didn't want to see, which I kind of regret not watching live, which turned out to be really good. Once I watched it at home, Shane versus the Miz versus Shane McMahon. It's a great match, but I wasn't into it leading up to it. So I was like, you know what? This is going to be my bathroom break. Mama walk around, see all my folks, you know, see my friends and whatever that I haven't seen in a year, chill with them. That's what I did during that match. So, it's all about choosing your seat. Now, if you want of those people that want to be on the floor, good luck, because you're going to be down there in a folding chair for seven, eight hours, and then you got to walk all the way back up top through the 100 level just to get to a bathroom. So if I'm not sitting first row, I'm not sitting on the floor. I mean, I can't afford to sit in first row, so that's never going to happen for me. That's a pipe dream that will never happen unless I win some type of contest, right? So I would recommend sitting in the club level because, again, You have wider seats. The lines aren't as long. Bathrooms are nicer. They're not as crowded. Yeah, definitely. I haven't sat in the 100 level since WrestleMania 31 in California. And the 100 level is just too crowded, man. Like, New Orleans the first year at 30, and then California the next year, you could barely move on the 100 level at WrestleMania. Like, you literally were shoulder to shoulder, like, sucking your gut in, sticking your shoulders in, tucking your ass in, trying to, like, shimmy past people because – it's just so crowded. The spaces were so narrow. So I definitely would not sit in the 100 level again. I wouldn't sit on the floor. I'm sitting in the club again.
0: How much were clubs suite level tickets?
2: So they get higher and higher every single year. So the first year in Dallas at Jerry, which I will I hate the Cowboys with all my heart and soul. <laughs> um, even though, you know, I don't really care about the NFL anymore. Just hate the star, I hate everything about the Cowboys, but AT&T Stadium was the best stadium experience we've had, bar none, mm-hmm. um, at these WrestleManias. They had the best club level, food was great, all that. It's just better, man. Lines are shorter, seats are wider, they're more comfortable, they're padded. And those tickets that year, to answer your question, they were like, this is back in 2016, um, they were like 300 Now for those mm-hmm. same, same level seats, I think this year in Tampa I paid like 350 It really depends on the year and the stadium and the market. New York is a more expensive market. So those seats last year, even though, I mean, I can tell you how much the, the club seats were probably like 400 last year. Even though I didn't sit in club, I looked at them. So it just depends on the market, really, how they price these things. And then, you know, the economy and all that as well.
0: What's the biggest live moment that you've experienced at a WrestleMania and I already know it's either it has to be Undertaker losing. That has to be the, like the biggest moment that you've experienced.
1: I can't describe the level of disgust I was experiencing after that. match. I still experience. I think about that match, man. Let me just explain what that whole situation was like when it happened. I don't think anybody in the stadium literally realized what was happening. Nobody, I had never heard a stadium with like thousands upon thousands of people just fall deaf. You could hear any you could hear anything and everything else in the stadium but people. Like when it happened, everyone's looking around, they're confused. They thought there was a botched spot. They thought somebody had messed something up. And then um I looked over to Dre and I just saw it like I had never seen such dismay and shock on Dre's face in this whole time I had known him. Then I had looked over to the right side. And you know how they set, they had the Titan Tron set up Drake. Like I think they had like like two on one side of, two yep. on each side of the big one. And they had yep. 21 and one. Yep. That's all anybody saw. And it was like at least 10 minutes before they played Brock Lesnar's music. Everybody was just stunned, shocked. I was so disgusted, man. I was just disgusted for the rest of the whole trip, man. Man, I still can't believe that happened. And just watching a leave, I was like, man, I'm like, I just can't believe they did him like that. It was just, it was just, it was a shocking moment. No moment, I don't think, will ever compare to that. Like to be there live for that. And I remember the, the year before, we were speculating whether or not he was going to lose to CM Punk, which was a great match that he had with um, CM Punk. Um and we were speculating and then everybody kept, you know, in the line saying, Well, you know, if if if, if he's gonna lose the streak, you, you want wanted to be this year because you are here and you know what I mean. And I was thinking like, well, damn, wouldn't that be something our first WrestleMania loses the streak? And I was elated when the streak kept going on. But next year I was like, Yeah, <clears throat> I thought it was a foregone conclusion that he was gonna retire with the streak. And man, I I still can't believe it. That was that was Easily the most shocking moment, the biggest moment I've witnessed being at any of these WrestleManias.
2: Yeah, it's um, it was the loudest silence I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, just I kept looking at the big screen and I, I saw the twenty-one and one, but I kept looking back at it because like you're gonna restart the match, right? The the count was too quick, like they yeah. something up, the, the spot was botched, something happened, like. You know, kind of like the count last year in the women's match, the main event, they messed up. But uh, yeah. I was kind hoping something like that happened. I'm like was up, something happened, and it was just man, it was it was crazy. And I just remember staring just straight ahead for like the next like five, ten minutes, like it's not even knowing what to do because it was just so crazy. And that affected. And I didn't think about it at the time until my buddy Billy brought it up to me a couple of days later when we recorded our podcast. We were doing podcasts regularly, but that affected the pop Daniel Bryan got later on that night for the main event coming Mm -hmm. out for the match against Orton and Batista because the crowd, it just sucked the life out of the crowd and the crowd never recovered from that. I mean, once he won, we were back up, but that initial pop, when he came out for that the main event, we weren't there because everybody was still so shocked that The Undertaker had lost. And I was just like, man, I I can't believe they did it. That was the one thing, you know, what, what, they always talk about the three things that are guaranteed in life. And for wrestling fans, it was, death, taxes, and Undertaker streak at WrestleMania. Yep. So, for that to be broken, it was just like, man. So, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, we got to see his the last win of the streak at 29 against Punk, and then we got to see the streak being broken. So, I'm happy about that, at least.
1: Oh, it was a side of the story, Jerry, I bought um, <laughs> a pack of uh, cheap uh, trading cards, and guess what I pulled out of the pack? It was that last match they beat with CM Punk.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, was the, that was the last victory of the street man yeah that's all anybody was talking about the next day and then well you know what happened the next day that was Warrior's last appearance on broad the next night yeah yeah and, um yeah. King. that man that was to me that was the most memorable yep. wrestlemania trip ever um it was legendary we saw all the legends really was basically on that show and it started off with um, The Rock and, and Stone Cold and Hogan and, and that whole little bit that they had to start the show. But he, once that downtaker that match happened, I thought it was for conclusion that he was going to win the match. I was like, yeah, he's going to win this. Rock is going to give it a college try. You know, it's going to be a tight spot like it was last year. But when he actually won, man, I I mean, I just wouldn't even prepared for the way that the crowd reacted. I mean, listen, I do not overstate this. The whole stadium was quiet. I never heard a whole stadium quiet like that.
0: More disappointing ending, Sting Hogan and Starcade or that Undertaker-Brock
2: Lesnar match? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, listen, Sting Hogan because they they built it up for a year and, you know, the, the match, fell. I mean, I didn't realize it at the time. Um, you know, again, like I told you earlier, I guess when we talked, I mean, that was one of the few pay-per-views that my parents actually bought for me. So I actually watched that live, and um, I didn't think about it at the time because I was just such a fan. I was happy that Sting won, but looking back at it, I mean, screwy finish, you know, Hogan mm-hmm. not wanted to do the job because Sting wasn't tan enough brother and whatever. And after that year build, I mean, that was one of the best builds ever. Like, the Crow Sting build mm-hmm. to that match from, you know, him walking out of the cage at Fall Brawl 96 in September all the way through to 97, to Stargate 97 in December. Arguably the best build thing ever. I loved it. Probably my favorite. But yeah, the main event came off flat. But I didn't realize that at the time. But yeah, looking back, I would say that. But I mean, again, the streak. I mean, it's just the shock value of the streak being broken is just something that cannot be topped.
1: Yeah, I, I consider the the Undertaker match, the Undertaker Lesnar match um, for WrestleMania 30, that was more stunning than disappointing. I would say it was just it was just stunning. Yeah, I agree with Ray. I think that the, the whole Sting-Hogan match, considering how long it had been built, it was a disappointment. Not that it, it affected WCW's business back then because they were still top, still riding high, and things like that. But, um, yeah, I would say just from a disappointment standpoint, in the truest sense of the word, I had to go with Sting-Hogan.
0: Dre, did you go to last year's Mania? I did. Also, I know we also talk about Kofi winning the belt. And... And that's probably in a different sort of memorable compared to the Undertaker's uh, streak ending. What was that like to you? That moment, Kofi winning that belt.
2: If I think about the three mania moments, top three for me are probably um, Taker one, Kofi two, Daniel Bryan three. Um, Like Mm -hmm. I said, Kofi, I mean, they didn't talk about this. They didn't come out and out really say it leading up to the match. But all black people knew that... (laughs) There had never been a black WWE champion. Yes, The Rock, but then there's always the, yeah, but he's half Samoan. And he claims and Samoan really... more
0: than he does black. They... I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that, but let's be honest. He yeah. claims he's more Samoan. He claims he's exactly. equally black and Samoan, which, again, no problem with that, but let's just put that out there.
2: Yeah, and right. then they, they, they've always played up more so his Samoan heritage than they've had, they do his black heritage. So for the Kofi thing, everybody knew, right? And, you know, so there was no more year, but yeah, but so they didn't play that up as far as the storyline. You know, Kofi gave, you know, subtle hits like you don't want to see somebody like us, like me win the title. So black people knew. So when he won, it was just I remember me and Wood, like we kind of hugged and we were jumping up and down. We were just just so happy. And I I got up. I, I got emotional, too, again, because, you know, the first time it was just it was surreal. I mean, that's number two. Um, just to be there for that, you know, and it wasn't supposed to happen. That was the thing. Like only reason Kofi was in that match was because Mustafa Ali got hurt and couldn't do the elimination chamber. So all this Kofi mania that was not supposed to go down. Had Mustafa Ali not gotten hurt, Kofi would have never been put in that position. And ironically, and the beauty of the whole Kofi thing is he was such good friends with Daniel Bryan and his story very so much mirrors Daniel Bryan's story from 2014 because Daniel Bryan wasn't supposed to happen, you know. Daniel Bryan was supposed to wrestle Sheamus for the 18,000th time at WrestleMania um, for the third year in a row because they had fought – no, I'm sorry. They were supposed to fight again. They fought at 26, 27 – no, 27, 28, and then they were going to fight again at 30. But he was supposed to fight Sheamus. And then, you know, CM Punk walked out after the Rumble um, because CM Punk was supposed to face Triple H and the main event was supposed to be Batista versus Orton. But then that crowd in Tampa took over the rumble and started doing the yes movement thing. And then that just the ground swelled and he got propelled into the main event and kind of the same thing happened with Kofi, an injury, a fluke injury, elevated Kofi. So I, I love the parallels between those two. And the fact that Daniel Bryan was the one to do the job to Kofi being in the same situation Kofi was in, you know, five years earlier, it was just, you couldn't write a better script. It was just amazing. It was great.
1: Yeah. I mean, from top to bottom, it was a really good story. I was really captivated by the whole thing. And just for this perspective, I always heard, you know, from a lot of fans of of color, man, just, you know, representation matters, man. Um, I think that that you can't emphasize enough how important Kobe's victory was at WrestleMania last year for young black kids. I remember growing up, man, we saw a lot of colorful characters like Coco Beware, uh, junkyard Dog, there were other wrestlers that I liked, like um Ahmed Johnson, um, Mabel, um you know, and I always felt a special connection to them because they were black. And they, you know, for better or worse, maybe they're not in the role models that some parents or people would prefer to see for kids. But listen, young black kids watch wrestling like anything else. And I think it's important for them to see successful black characters, you know, and I think that Kofi's victory I mean, it was emotional for a lot of guys. Like, I remember that clip that was going viral with MVP when he, when he just busted out in the tears and then, uh, yep. because he saw a, a, a black man winning, not the world title, okay? So we just saw, like, Mark Henry win the world championship and stuff like that, but the WWE title, which to me is still the chief numero uno title on the brand. It's, it's the title with, with the company's lineage. It's the title that ultimately represents the company. Kofi won that, though. You know what I mean? Not the universal championship. He won that belt, and I think, yeah, I mean, The Rock had won it, but it was it was much more significant. With COVID, you know, I think that um, you know, when he did that, it was was good for kids to see that because I think that you know, representation all level matters. You know, you see a black president, you see a successful black businessman, um, and, and you gotta also understand too that that wrestlers for kids they take on like the, the persona of superheroes. You know, when you see that kind of stuff happen, man, it was just a phenomenal victory, man. And I was just happy for Kofi, man. I remember Dre, do you remember the first WrestleMania we went to? He was on the pre-show. Oh yeah. Commentating. Yeah. In the, that's right. the pre-show for that. Yeah. You know, he wasn't even on the card. He wasn't even wrestling. And think about it. We went next went back to MetLife Stadium, six years later, he became WWE champion. Yeah, and I mean... Now, who would have thought that? Like, you know, I mean, like, yeah, he's had other championships. He had the the, the long run with the, the New Day with the World Tag Team titles. He won an Intercontinental Championship. Um, But Vince, I always feel like, you know, and not just for black wrestlers, okay? Vince always feels safe of, like, you know, Sean Michaels would say about putting those undercard belts on wrestlers because there's no risk for that, you know? But to, to go full burn and put the WWE title on Kofi, it was monumental.
0: I mean, that also, and I think about it, it could have been worst case. We could have gotten a whole another Booker T thing all over again if, if things played that out differently. It. And that's a scary thought. It's like, oh my God, this could easily veil, all the veiled stuff between Booker T and Triple H, that could have easily been what could have happened with Kofi. I mean, and as you go through all the different wrestlers, we forget D'Lo Brown, <laughs> we forget, I mean, Ron Simmons, yep. who was the first yep. modern-day Black World champion and things like that, mm-hmm. and you know, especially since we see guys wasted like Lashley and Shad, and and every you can think of plenty of guys who are getting wasted who will never. I mean, like I said, they already dropped the ball on Lashley when you basically made him really a sideshow joke, and when he's probably one of the few people I could legitimately say that could give Brock Lesnar a run for his money because if you're gonna bring in Cain Velasquez, you you already have another MMA guy in there who's wrestled, who has that experience, who's been a world champ, and you're just letting him do cuckold stories it's ridiculous i mean it's just like this if bobby lashley were you know in jacksonville that'd been a different story they'd probably play him up the way they did with jake hager the way AEW does with jake hager Mm -hmm. you know i mean i always saw lashley as a black lesnar and maybe that's not a fair comparison but i i feel like he can do much more than what he's being saddled with
2: well i mean i don't want i haven't watched tna in like 10 years but from what everything i hear he was phenomenal in TNA. Phenomenal. Like, to the point where, like, he got back on WWE's radar, and that's why they brought him back in 2017. And they just haven't used him the way he was using TNA. For whatever reason, TNA was able to get the most out of him. And I don't know. I mean, he has the look that Vince loves. No, he can't cut a promo. But mm-hmm. that's why you put Leo Rush with him. That's why you put Lana with yeah. him. But they're still not using him, like you said, to – to, the, to his abilities. And we should have that Lesnar-Lashley dream match. That should be the WrestleMania match.
1: Yeah, you know? I agree with um, that.
2: But, I mean, Drew deserves it, too. I mean, because Drew, Drew's another guy that left yeah. and went away. And TNA, you know, worked his butt off on the Indies, went to TNA and came back. And now he's a star. So he deserves it, too. But, yeah, Lashley's been back three years, and we haven't gotten this match yet. We should have been had this match. And I don't know when his contract runs out, but who knows if he'll re-sign He'll probably say, screw it, and try to go to AEW because... Right. You know, they're out there now, they're an option, you know, unless he's been locked in. I don't know what his, his contract status is like, but yeah, they've definitely dropped the ball on him. But would you brought up something, uh, a good point? Yeah. It just seemed like over the years, once WCW went away, they started giving the world title to the black guys. They gave it to Booker mm-hmm. T, they gave it to Mark Henry, you know, Lashley mm-hmm. had that ECW title. So they were given, but that's not like you said, that's not the title with the lineage. And we're talking right. the lineage of Buddy Rogers, the lineage of Bruno, the lineage of Pedro Morales and Superstar Billy Graham mm-hmm. and Bob Backlund. You know, that's the belt with the lineage. And for Kofi to win that belt mm-hmm. was special. Because it was right. that belt. It would not have been the same had he won the Universal Championship. Right. It would not have been the same. Not at all. Not whatsoever. So people knew. And, you know, and you brought up the terrible stuff they did with Triple H and Booker T heading into WrestleMania 19. They were going to do that this time only because, again, we're in the PG era. They're a PG company. You know, at that point, they were in a ruthless aggression era where they were still being edgy and all of that. Like I said, they were not even bringing up the fact that there had never been a black WWE champion. They didn't even want to touch that. I mean, that's not risky. I mean, that's the truth. (laughs) It's just the truth. and They didn't even want to say it. So there was no way they were going to go that risky and do something like they were doing with triple H and Booker T when triple H was saying, Oh, you're just good enough to be my limo driver. You ex-convict, blah, blah, blah. They weren't going that far. But um, yeah. So, I mean, for those who got it, it was a phenomenal experience, you know, and you know, kudos to WWE. I mean, they, they walked the tightrope and they, they knew they had to be PC about it. They knew they couldn't piss anybody off and mm-hmm. they, they, they left it up to the fans and also, like, you could have also taken it as, like, just Kofi being, not, not of color, but, like, Kofi being a guy that had been with the company since 2007, 2008, that never had really gotten an opportunity outside of the mid-card and finally yeah. being elevated up to the top. So good for him. And you could you could rally around his story that way. So, I mean, yeah, I thought they did a masterful job with, with the build and the story with that. And you it could have been taken – you know, many different ways. And they, booked I mean, yeah.
0: and they booked him well. They didn't book him like Ray Mysterio after he won the belt. I mean, that's a good thing. But then I, I see this. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, he was bad. He, he beat got squashed in five seconds. Well, yeah, the end, the end result was bad. But the fact he beat Owens, he beat AJ, he beat all those guys. Uh, I mean, he beat Samoa Joe.
1: He beat Randy Orton. He beat Randy. Yeah, doing that. I mean,
0: um, that's much better than the way Ray was booked. I mean...
2: I kind of disagree because another parallel he had with Daniel Bryan, you look at Daniel Bryan, 2014, he wins the belt. The first feud he comes out with is against Kane. And they do yep. this stupid horror story where he's with Brie and Kane is like scaring Brie. And then she's like, ah! Some, out of a horrible B-horror <laughs> movie, Kane is like reverted back to his character from Tino Evil. It was terrible. And then Kofi, the first feud he comes out with the belt, Dolph Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler, he's struggling to beat Dolph Ziggler. Like, Dolph Ziggler doesn't... He's a loser. He barely wins matches. So I kind of disagree. Like, he wasn't booked to be the strongest guy coming out. Yeah, he had the belt for some months, or five, six months, whatever it was, but he wasn't booked that strong. Um, That, that Dolph Ziggler match kind of got things off on the wrong foot because he should have easily beat Dolph and solidified himself as a champion. It should not have been as tough as it was for him to beat Dolph. So I'm mm-hmm. going to disagree. So I'm going to I'm gonna go with more parallel to that Daniel Bryan 2014 run because they both were booked poorly coming out of the gate as champion. And they both, I mean, their runs ended well. He had the belt long, a little bit longer than Daniel did because Daniel had to forfeit it by what, like June, July, or whatever, whatever it was. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, it, I don't know. I mean, but I was happy that he got the belt,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm, and there's plenty of wrestlers there and the, the, who are not black that I'm disappointed they have not touched a championship belt. I mean, if Jinder Mahal, out of all things, got the belt, yet Nakamura didn't get the belt, yes, Samoa Joe didn't get the belt, uh, Lashley didn't get the belt, Braun Strowman didn't get the belt, that pissed me off more often than anything else. Yes, he probably would have been a flash in the pan like Warrior, but then still, the fact that he was red hot and you didn't pull the trigger, that's awful. That is absolutely awful. And Nakamura <laughs> losing to Jinder Mahal, I mean, I'm going back to Jinder Mahal being the champ. That's... uh. That's like, you know, how Mick Foley always talks about Al Snow all the time. Yeah, this is my that's my moment because Jinder Mahal should not have had the belt. Like I said, we talked yeah, about yeah. all the guys in the 80s who never got a shot to hold the belt. This is an example of you're just putting the belt on anybody, and which which is very yeah. disappointing. I mean, yeah, I mean, shoot, don't, don't, don't hold the belt. Mrs. Held yeah, the belt.
1: I, yeah, I just wanted to reiterate, yeah, the Jinder Mahal had the WWE championship. That's awesome. <laughs> I just wanted to just jump in and just say that, yeah, the WWE title. All right, proceed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> like
0: I said, Nakamura should have won that belt. How you would have booked, again, yeah. but since they don't know how to book non-English-speaking uh, foreign wrestlers. But then again, they haven't really had an English champ either. They haven't had an English champ. They probably had a good chance to put it on Davey Boy years ago and never did. I
1: mean. It never did. It, it never did. it. And should have done it at least once. You know, at least a flash in the pan title. You know what I mean? Like, give it to him one week and have him drop it the next. It ain't even give him the courtesy Uh of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not – or Regal. Or Regal. But I know Regal had his issues, and that's why Regal probably never got the belt either. But Regal could have held the belt even as a transitional role, and that would have worked. You still have not had a true European champion. You never have. Did they? Did they have a book Regal in the main event role in WWE at any point?
2: Nah. I don't think no, they ever he was did. It. A guy. I yeah. thought that after the King of the Ring yeah. he was
0: gonna go and then he got that drug suspension and then they 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 just sort of like nah we're not taking this risk anymore.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, once that happens, it's like what can you do? Your hands are tied at that point. Yeah. It's like okay. Hey, like if you- They can't trust you, they can't put a belt on you, it's just simple as that.
0: Yeah, they really, I mean, the only, so you can say the only Asian champion they've had is Jinder Mahal, even though he's Canadian, because we're not even counting Yokozuna, because, shoot, he's, one, he's Samoan, and two, I don't, I think he was American-born. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But one of the things I also wanted to talk to you about, since we don't want to dwell too much on WWE, because there are other competitors out there, I know you guys Mm -hmm. had the opportunity to go to Full Gear in Baltimore, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: What was that experience like, especially here? And you guys went to the first AEW Dynamite as well in D.C. What was that experience like? And how did it compare going to a WWE event?
2: Um, it was great, man. Like, so here's my whole thing with AEW, right? So living where I live, and I was going to shows regularly around this area, Philly, Jersey, I would always hear about, people online would always talk about, you know, what it was like to go to ECW back in the day, you know, what it was like to kind of be there from the beginning and kind of help that revolution take form and get to where it got. And, you know, and and to where they got a TV deal and, you know, that sort of thing where they got on pay-per-view and that sort of thing. And I was like, man, I would get my right arm to be living in Philadelphia or New Jersey back in 1995, 96, and be a part of that, that ECW revolution. And with AEW, I feel like going to these shows ever since like since the beginning, pretty much we're a part of that. So Compared to WWE, I mean, the energy's there, but it's a different energy. A lot of people have said it's kind of like a cross between WCW and ECW all mixed into one, um, as far as, like, the crowds that they get. But, I mean, it's phenomenal, man. People are so passionate about the, the product, and they're loud. I mean, there could be, like... Like that building when we went to the first dynamite at the phone booth or whatever it's called now these was it's always gonna be the phone booth to me. It's Capital One now, it's always gonna be the MCI center to me. It was almost sold out, but not completely, and it was loud. We went to Full game Baltimore, loud, just loud. They are passionate, they love the product, it's a different product. I mean, it's just um it's been really fun to watch, man. It's just been uh it's been great to see them grow and, and to go from doing one show last year in Vegas to get in a TV deal by the end of the year. That's crazy. Crazy.
1: Honestly, AEW to me is very reminiscent of WCW. It is like, I feel like there is like a WCW feel every time I watch it, but they're their own brand and their own right at the same time. Um, they have great talent. They have great main eventers and mid carders. I think that um, over time the women division will get better. I think that's probably the one thing that's probably lacking that, that comes to mind for me. But they'll get there. I mean, like, and again, for w, like when you compare the WWE's women's division, uh, it's tough to do that. You know what I mean? Because I think I still think that the WWE's women's division is phenomenal, man. Because um, I was, I remember just saying, like, just looking back on like a year or two ago, I was like, man, just like this. The, the women's roster is so stacked and they're just like, it's just, it's really come a long way because I remember Look how far up, they came.
2: No, yeah, how far it's they like, came.
1: I was like, looking back on it, like, you know, back when like Alondra Blaze was the champion, like they, Vince were kind of dangle the division to us or dangle women's wrestling to us and then it just go away again with no warning or announcement.
0: And it being the, end, the same thing, three women wrestling all the time. So Lunder <laughs> Blaze, Bull Nakano, and, and Bertha Faye, those same three they'd yeah. be wrestling
1: all the time. Right. And she had great matches with Bull Nakano, man. And um had a good to me, I thought she had a good little program with um Bertha Faye. I don't know, was just something amusing about Bertha Faye and, and her Whippleman
2: Yeah, Harvey, just, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was just something funny about that. I just thought it was an amusing parent. I, I, I was entertained by it as a kid watching that programming story. Um and I thought they had some entertaining matches, let's be honest about it. I thought they did. I thought Alondra was still a good worker. And um, you know, but you know, when Vince gets a hold of these these former WCW talent, he always wanted to give put his spin on it. He never really wanted to do Except for Flair. I think Flair was the only guy that he basically just transitioned over to his show and presented him as he was to me. Like, even said he had to give Sid a new name, and Sid <laughs> kind of felt like a different kind of character when he came over, that sort of stuff. But I digress. The, uh, you know, the women's division of WWE, to me, continues to be awesome. So I think that when you compare AEW's to that, it's like, you know, yeah, they have a long way to go. But they'll get there. Um, I, I believe that they'll get there. But I'm impressed with what I see from AEW. I think it's a good product. Um, I think it's good to have that option again for fans. I think it's a great thing for the business, man. And, um, it's just great when you have that there. I mean, a viable option like AEW is, is building itself up to beat uh, with, with, with names and things like that. So I think with Jericho and, and Cody and Omega and Hangman, those guys are doing there. It's, it's great for, for the AEW brand, but it's also great for the business as a whole.
0: You know, I look at Hangman and I don't know where they're going with them. I I thought they were sort of going like how, you know, Scott Hall was in WCW, you know, drunk Scott Hall and where that was going for a point. And I'm like, uh, I hope they're not going to go that angle because that was uh, bad. Because when you start making light of people's real personal problems and having him mock drinking all the time.
2: um, WWE did it too with Hawk. W did the same yeah, thing with Hulk well, in like yeah. 97, mm-hmm. 98.
0: The, the, Titan, yeah,
1: the so. fall to Titantron, I think of I that. that of yeah, like, oh yeah. My God. It's, it's like don't, don't it do was, that. I, don't I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. as, as was like that. a kid just was. I mean, it, it was like we fell off the side of the stage. Man, I'm sorry. I can't help but laugh at it. But I, I look back, when I was wrong. But I keep thinking about. Also, around that time, they just did some crazy stories. That one was one of the craziest I've seen,
0: though. Yeah, I had posted on Facebook about how I was watching AEW Dynamite. And I said this specifically, because we talked about it before. Joey Janela. Looks just like 1995 Jericho in WCW, but it lacks charisma, lacks ability, lacks anything interesting about him. He even has the hair braided the same way Jericho did in 95. All he's missing is a Monday Night Jericho shirt and Ralphus, and, and it would have been the perfect key, but he's, he just, he's just bland. And I guess without even Jericho's look, Jericho had, uh, you know, I see why Cornette calls him Jelly Janella, but, um... <laughs> Janela is just missing something. Well, a lot of stuff.
2: Uh, for you. I mean, they love him up here, so I don't know. I mean he has a big following up in this area, and that's kinda how he got his rise to fame or whatever, and got on people's radars, all the stuff he was doing in the northeast. So I mean, like the Jersey and Philly area, New York. So
0: Hey, people like Joey yeah. Ryan too. That doesn't mean that's supposed to be That's true. That's, that's, that's not true. supposed to be <laughs> the norm, but I mean and like I said, especially after hearing Janela got punked out by if you, Enzo.
2: If you look at, but that's the thing about AEW, if you look at, you know, we're 36, 37 years old. If you look at what AEW's been able to do, they're actually being able to bring in a new set of eyes, a new audience that likes the Joy Janellas, likes the Joy Ryans, watches being the elites. You know, I don't got time to watch being the elite, but there are kids, you know, in the 17 to 24 demographic that or 18 to 24 that do have the time. You know, that's how Hangman really got his his rise was on being the elite. And he got to, you know, showcase himself as a character because he wasn't really doing it on Ring of Honor. It was just him being coming out wrestling. Yay, Hangman, throw my little pistol up. That's it. But he got to show his character on being the elite. And that's kind of how he got people behind him. So
0: but can I say this full disclosure? I like Orange Cassidy.
2: Other than that, <laughs> I, like, well, okay. I, well like, then, I so, like
0: Orange Cassidy. Well,
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Man, he put on a show at he the can last AEW. Oh, yeah. yeah. He can
2: work. I used to watch him. They used to run Evolve shows in, in South Jersey when he was doing a yeah. gimmick where he would come out dressed as like a tree or something. It was weird. Um, he was with Chuck Taylor back then too. It was like Chuck, him, Larry Dallas, and some other people. Um, I forgot they were called. But, um, yeah, he can work. And it's good that he got, finally got to show that he can work and, and still do his gimmick kind of in the same time. That was it was Too really fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, just honestly, he won me over when they did the Thanksgiving one, and he's he's in Turkey. I mean, you know, and like I, I said, that's why I'm like Janela. Just I don't get Janela's appeal, but I like Orange Cassidy, and because Orange Cassidy was a charisma without saying a single thing. But I mean, and it's so few wrestlers can actually do that. Yeah, so few wrestlers can actually do that at all, and I think like. Especially I mean, not everybody's gifted on the mic. And that and, and, and we all know that. Not everybody's gonna be Arn or Piper or or Jake or Flair or Dusty or I mean Hogan to an extent. We can all say what we want about Hulk Hogan and his promos, but still, uh, I mean uh, even and, and Warrior I mean that was a good you know, correlation we were just talking about. I wrote I did a blog post about Ahmed Johnson and talked about you know, everybody said he had a bad attitude, was slopping the ring, hurt people, didn't care about the business, didn't stop the warrior from winning the belt. Didn't stop the Warrior from winning the belt at all. Not at no, the right. The exact same no. way.
2: Yep. It's just Warrior yep, didn't absolutely. get injured
0: all the time. That's the issue. If Ahmed didn't get injured, he probably would have been going that same way as Warrior, and everybody would have sort of like, no, nah, we should have never given him the belt. But, hey, we tried.
2: Yeah, I mean, Ahmed was the first black intercontinental champion. So, I mean, they were definitely pushing him to the move. Yeah, they were definitely yeah, pushing him to the moon.
1: Yeah, the and guys. I think that Vince, I hear, like, sometimes, like, other wrestling podcasts, that, that Vince actually did have big dreams for Ahmed, actually. So,
0: supposed to I mean,
1: but hey, that, I'll take that in the Cardinal Championship. I mean, until Kofi's win last year, that's you know, pretty much what I had to hang my hat on. So, I thought that was impressive, too, and I, I accepted that gladly as well.
0: And I also thought that Ahmed was supposed to get a title shot against The Undertaker at one point.
2: Uh, and, yeah, and when, he, got when he was a heel in the nation, he got hurt. He got yeah,
1: hurt. and they replaced Farouk, yeah, it was, it was. I can't recall what it. Was.
2: Yeah, it was ninety-seven. Yeah. It was. It would have been. Uh, I would. I think it was King of the Ring ninety-seven.
1: Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. You're right. And then he got injured. Yep, he got injured. Yeah, yeah. Because they were building the program up toward that.
0: Yeah, yep. and injuries is what did Ahmed then. that. Because basically, basically, you, everything bad you can say about the Warriors is what you can say about Ahmed Johnson, and except warrior never got injured Mm -hmm. he got in trouble for drugs but he never got injured and you can always Mm -hmm. overlook a steroid suspension every now and then but injuries
1: that's a good point
0: i mean much of people crap on john cena hey fairly durable you need somebody who's fairly durable champ but i mean we could talk about so many stories where fantasy matches that we should have gotten but we never did like brett versus savage uh, Shawn Michaels versus Savage, stuff like that, and why Jay Lethal's not in WWE or AEW? Because honestly, Jay Lethal is a WWE type guy because his personality and his ability. I thought he would have made it there. Or, I mean, shoot, even Norman Smiley, maybe not a big run, uh, but Norman, Norman in WWE would have been like, I've been on the Norman Smiley bandwagon. He wouldn't have been champ, but you know,
2: I mean, oh yeah, yeah. they would I mean, especially doing that wiggle during during that time. I don't know, like. He might have been forced to retire because of an injury. I don't know his circumstances, but um, yeah, he definitely could have gotten over with that big wiggle and that two thousand one, two thousand two time frame, because they were still doing you know all the the attitude era type stuff.
0: Scotty too hot. I mean, everybody loves Scotty too hotty, so everybody would have loved Norman Smiley. There is no doubt about that. And I and I like Scotty too hotty and the worm, but big wiggle all day mm-hmm. over over the worm. Yeah one thing i want to ask you guys about for there's not enough time in the world to watch everything wrestling but i don't know if you guys have had the opportunity to watch the nwa what are your thoughts on the nwa if you've had time to watch it
1: i haven't had any time to watch it um i haven't watched it as of yet i've seen and read some good things about what they're doing on that show um i, I do obviously you guys might have heard about that whole Cornette thing that happened um I mean, outside of that, I haven't really heard too many bad things about it, but I honestly haven't had a chance to watch any of that.
2: So, I was on a weekly appointment TV for me until the Cornet thing happened. And then I just, whatever reason, like, they never came out and explained it or explained why, you know, they, the episode went up without them even. And it stayed up there for, like, an hour or so. And they never explained, like, how that got through or anything like that. So I just kind of, like, fell, fell out of it after that. Because, I mean, I had planned on going down to Atlanta at some point to go to the, st- the studio to watch a show. Yeah, that, that was, like, a bucket list thing for me. Then I just kind of, after the Cornette thing, I was kind of like, eh. But there's just so much on, like, <sighs> time for everything, man. I, I watch Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, and AEW. And then I'll watch... When New Japan's building up to a big show, I'll I'll squeeze some new Japan in there. That's really um all I got time for. I don't watch Ring of Honor anymore. Just don't have time. Don't watch TNA. Don't watch NWA. Just not enough time in the day, man. Not enough time.
0: With that whole thing, was it more the Cornette comment or was it them leaving it up there and letting him fall? It was them
2: the- leaving it up there and then let, and then not explaining it. Like if that was WWE, they would have gotten raked right through the coals. Yeah. Like like I don't understand. That was my, it wasn't Cornette. Like I know Cornette's not a racist. Like whatever. He was trying to he was trying to do heat that he did back in like 1975, 1980. Yeah. You know, whatever. But <laughs> it's the fact that they left it up there so long and then no explanation. I don't right. believe anybody, anybody got fired, anything of that nature. And like I said, if it was WWE, like what happened when the ACA thing came out, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, oh WWE being racist. Duh, 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 duh not knowing the full story that, you know, ACH has, you know, he's admitted to having some depression issues. So there's a lot of mental health issues going on, but they were quick to throw WWE under the bus and, and cast him as a villain. But with the NWA thing, it's kind of like they got a slide, even though it stayed up there so long. Mm-hmm. That's all.
0: I mean, either keep it up there or you should have edited it in the first. And, and I heard Cornette talk about that whole situation because he finally went in full uh, depth on it. It's like, Why not edit it fully? I mean, because he would have had no issue if you took it out earlier. On like, okay, cool. That's like,
2: yeah. How many weeks in advance? That's another thing. How many weeks in advance was that episode taped? It's not like it's like SmackDown back in the day when SmackDown was taped on a Tuesday and then aired till Friday. This show had been in the can for weeks.
0: And even then, uh, like I said, if I edit a podcast, unless I'm like super lazy or like, okay, it's not going to really impact what's going to happen with it, I'll just keep it in and keep it moving because there's other things that need to be cut out or edited or, or cut down. But a situation like that, either you get rid of it or you just, you know, put on old school DW type disclaimer. These thoughts, you know, blah, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, don't th- express the. They're the Cormac's thoughts. They don't reflect on the NWA and they're not our sentiment. Whatever.
0: Or, yeah. Because honestly, cause, and you know, it's a very differing opinion between black folks. and None of us thought it was very offensive. I mean, I, some people may not. Some people, I'm not going to talk for everybody. I didn't think it was bad. I mean, it's like maybe a little outdated, but I mean, because we're always going to yeah. go about Ethiopians and starving. I mean, that's always low hanging fruit when it comes to Ethiopia and some <laughs> other uh, impoverished nations in Africa. Other than that, not racist at all.
2: No, and they, they used to exploit that like Sally Struthers back in the day. Oh,
0: yeah, and like, South Park and Sarvin Marvin and all yeah, that
2: stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but whatever. Again, we're in a different time, you know, 2020, 2019, when that happened, we're in a different time. Like, like you know, some of the stuff that you talked about, like like you said earlier with Booker T and Triple H, that wouldn't have flown in 2020. Like, yeah. It was okay back then. It wouldn't have fl- it would, he could not have gotten away with that shit in 2020 saying that on TV. So, this is a different time. But again, my beef was this was in the can for weeks. You guys did nothing. And it wasn't until they got put on the air that Tuesday and stayed up there for like an hour. Because I remember coming home. I got home from physical therapy, I think. And my, I have physical therapy on Tuesdays. And my thing is, OK, I'm going to watch Power. I go to YouTube and it's like <laughs> video not available. So I guess at that point, <laughs> they started getting backlash and took it down. And I'm like, <laughs> why can't I watch Power? And then my buddy D sent me a, a, a DM and was like, you heard about what happened with Cornette said? And I'm like, oh, my God, this is why I signed on <laughs> So, um, yep. yeah, my beef is they just left it up there too long. And the fact that it was taped weeks in advance and nobody saw it and nobody listened to it before they tried, decided to throw it up there is just ridiculous.
0: And saying that you probably use multiple camera angles and you have to edit it together anyway, how could you not do that? Because they easily did it in the, in the post-production where you they they
2: took that joke out. <clears throat> Exactly. Exactly. That's so, just
0: it's either either inattentiveness or laziness. That's it's one or the other. And yeah. I mean we and, and sometimes that both of those things happen, but don't all of a sudden just like, oh, the NWA and all this stuff and throw a Cornette cornet under the bus. It's just it's a slippery slope with certain things like that. I understand he's trying to tell how tough it was and it, seriously, if you said pizza instead of chicken, nobody would have said a single thing. Nobody would have said a single exactly. thing at all. They would have kept it moving. Yeah. They're like pizza, that eh, makes sense. You know, or hamburgers or whatever. <laughs> Yep. To me, i watched the NWA and I like what they're doing. Some of the people that really stuck out to me, I like how they did with the TV title where it's basically six minutes, five seconds, title defense. And if you defend it seven times and you don't lose, either through draw or or pinfall or whatever, you get an automatic shot at the NWA title. I like what they're doing. I, I, I like the tag team field. I mean... It's like, man, only you, this would have been a perfect example. Like, man, if only Sting and Flair were like 20 years younger, they, they, could, <laughs> they, they could still do that part time. Which I'm surprised why those guys have not shown up on one NWA taping right now.
2: Yeah, which is interesting. I mean, you know, and I like how they're giving like other people, I, you know, I've read about it. You know, they brought Melina back. She's still in the business. Uh, you know, Eli Drake, who I didn't see in TNA during his run there. For whatever reason, WWE missed the boat with him because I know he was in developmental probably 10, 12 years ago. Um, You know, down there with like Sean Spears and Cody and those guys. You know, they gave Trevor Murdoch another try. Um, So good for them. You know, a lot of guys that have been off the radar for the last 10 or so years have been able to to find some work in, in the wrestling business. So again, like we said with AEW, another place for people to go work and apply their craft because from like 2001, well TNA was around, but like, Legit alternatives from like 2001 up until you know this last year, there was like really only one place for people to go. So, just happy that there are more places for, for wrestlers to go and work.
1: Yeah, I mean, hopefully, I'll get around to watching it sometime soon. Um, but I, I've heard mostly good things about the, the show for sure.
0: Yeah, and I'll say yeah. this the women's division in the NWA is better than AEW's right now, and and again, that's something that's gonna get I don't on. doubt that,
1: I don't um, doubt it at all. I haven't seen the show yet, and I, I don't doubt it. Yeah, I mean,
0: like Thunder Rosa. I mean, I mean, Thunder remember Rosa's before good. it even went to air, like Jazz at one point was champ before <laughs> Allison K uh, won the belt. I, I I thought Jazz might have given up the belt or whatever. I'm not sure. I know Jazz was holding the belt for a while, even into NWA 70, and then she defended the belt, and then she like gave up the belt, and then Allison K won, and then Thunder Rosa is the champ now. It's not WWE level, but right now, who's is uh, sort of outside of Shimmer, but I think they're a very good group of women because they got a pretty good group of women's wrestlers as well.
2: They do, from what I've seen. Like, I, I like Thunder Rosa, we've seen her um, live a couple times. She's really good. Good to see Melina back in the business. You know, she was a she came up during the Diva era, but she improved a lot during her time in WWE, and uh, so good to see her back. And Allison K, I, I know she was at double nothing last year and then something happened and then she didn't sign with AEW. So now she's with NWA. So you no know, good for her. So yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm glad they, you know, got a good women's division. You know, like, like you said, AEW will improve. I like what they're doing with Britt breaker right now. Like for some reason, Britt has been better, was better on the Indies in ring, but I'm really liking her character. now. I know a lot of people don't like it, but I think it's hilarious. It, it's just um, it a
0: little stiff with the delivery. Other than that, I see where they're going, but it's stiff of the delivery sometimes.
2: Yeah, but I mean, so you know, with her and then you know they got Riho and obviously, you know, some others. I'm I'm not sold yet on Chris Statlander, but you know it'll get there. It'll get there. I, I mean,
0: I, I like Shanna more than Chris <laughs> Statlander, but that just my yeah.
2: opinion. No, I agree. I agree with that. You know, and again, this company's only, you know. A year old, so, I mean, what are we going to do?
0: Like I said, there'll probably be plenty of people coming down the pike. Who knows? I assume that depending on how much they hold her to her contract, eventually if she ever comes back, Mickey James could probably be available anywhere. Uh, I mean, think about it. She's not even 40 yet, and so she's still probably got – I mean, unless that knee injury is bad enough where it might cause her to retire or they're just not using her like you know, WWE is known to
2: do. Yeah, I, I didn't even hear about an injury I thought they weren't using her, which is a travesty.
0: Yeah, which I like she got she hurt been... like around with that whole uh Alexa Bliss storyline. I think she tore her ACL or something. Oh
2: yeah, okay. and
0: she's been out for a while and, and you know. And you know, oh,
2: Nia okay. Jax
0: is back, so I mean and she had double knee surgery, so
2: Yeah, she had double knee surgery, yeah. So yeah, no, there's there's no way Mickey James is still hurt. I mean, Nia Jax had double knee surgery. She's carrying a lot of a lot more weight on her bones than Mickey James is, so uh yeah. They're probably just not using her for whatever reason. I don't know. I haven't heard that she's been down down to PC training people. I don't know. If they're trying to transition her into a trainer, which it is a good use for, her, but it's a waste because, like you said, she's not even 40 yet. She can still go. Yeah. I don't. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you know, it's like when you see all these other independent darlings like Sarah Del Rey. She's down there training when she probably had a probably had a whole bunch of years left in her career. I mean, and again, Norman Smiley down there training and all that other stuff.
2: Yeah, Sarah's different because. She came around at the wrong time. She was on top during the Divas era. That's when she had her her run on top in the Indies. So, like, has she been, like, around the same age, like, the Sasha and the Bailey's when wrestling started to be taken seriously from the women and WWE was looking and Triple H was taking over and WWE was looking to to be serious with the women? She definitely is on the main roster right now tearing it up. But unfortunately for her, she was on the Indies when Johnny Ace was, you know, in charge of the women's division and talent relations and everything's about bikini models and and actresses and all that. So it just wasn't her time. But I don't blame her. It's like I mean, it's like if if, if it's not a fit for you, but they're one willing to hire you to train the next generation, you got a steady job, you got benefits, why not? No brainer
0: to me. Say the wear and tear and you can come out of retirement if you need to.
2: Exactly. I wish they would give her a match at some point. I don't know. Even what was the other name? The other the woman that they had with the straight edge society who they brought back for uh, the May Young Classic the oh, first Serena? year. Yes. Serena, yeah. Serena was 10 years too early or mm-hmm. around around there. Like, had she come up now, she would have been a star, you know. But she was brought in in 2009, 2010, when they mm-hmm. were still booking the woman as Divas. So she was just. Well,
1: models, the lingerie. Models. Models, yeah, and, exactly. And she her was just fired. ahead of.
2: Ahead of her time.
1: And her
0: getting fired for drunkenness doesn't help either. Yeah, that didn't help either. But, I mean <laughs> they
2: made they, they made that a good story though at the May Young Classic, you know, talking about how she was mature and she had her, her issues with substance abuse and all that. Just mm-hmm. yeah. Unfortunate.
0: I want to go back to AEW one more time. I know, especially some of the things looking forward to, Blood and Guts, which we always might yeah. just call copyrighted war games. I'm looking forward to it because it actually will have the true essence of war games, unlike how NXT has done their war games. And while it's not bad, but I, I like the roof on the top, no pinfall, no disqualification. It's submit or surrender. That's it. Mm-hmm. Nothing nothing else. And that's the way it should be.
2: Yeah. And I'm heartbroken because I'm not going to be, I have a ticket and I'm not going to be able to see it um, because uh, I was going to take a half day and everything, take the train up to Newark. I've never seen that arena where the Devils play, I think, right? The yeah, where the Nets used to Yeah, exactly. The Nets used to play there. I was really looking forward to it, but now with the, you know, coronavirus, they're going to go forward, and it's probably going to be at a, a daily place in Jacksonville because they're not going to be able to drag this out because they, they rescheduled that date for July 22nd. And I'm, uh, I might go. I, I don't know. To me, unless they do something really special, I might just eat the ticket, eat the money on the ticket. Cause I, I just, I just don't go to random, random shows on a weekday. That's just not what I do. I don't go to random Raws. I'm not going to random dynamites. So, like I'm not doing it. It's got to be worth my time for me to go. So, um, look, was very much looking forward to it. They really did a good job with building these storylines. If you think the inner circle versus everybody else in AEW, whether it be the elite or whoever has been the common thread in the storyline for the company since exception, since the first time they got on TNT in October. So to see it all come to a head in this match that, you know, Cody's dad created and the true essence of war games, like you said, with the roof on top, with some actual blood, whether, you know, how, whatever side of the fence you go on with blood or not, you know, I'm not the biggest blood guy. I like it, you know, in special moments. Um, I don't like Cody getting cracked over the head with a chair and bleeding like a pig from the back of his head, taking an unprotected chair shot. But if it's like busted open in the mouth the hard way or taking a little stiff shot by a punch, I'm fine with that. Um, I'm not really a fan of people bleeding. But again, the fact that it was going to be a true essence of War Games, I was really looking forward to seeing it. And the way they were gonna finally tie this story up, but now, I mean, it will happen, but it's not gonna be big as it was. I don't think So they're gonna have it at Daly's place, probably with only like ten fans there.
1: That's just great. That's this is all just crazy. It's just mind-boggling, man. They're messing up people's plans. I mean, Dre had two really good shows lined up. Even you really think about it, Blood and Guts, and then WrestleMania, and then this stuff just comes in, just wiping everything away from existence. I mean, it's just like y'all don't even wanna go anywhere now, just just cause. Yeah, it's I great.
2: mean, what's going to happen with these things? I don't know. But as far as the match, man, I thought they did a good job. They've done a great job building this match. That's the one thing AEW has really done. They've done a very good job, far more better than WWE because WWE doesn't have the luxury of doing that because everything's within every three weeks and it's so fast. But AEW's had a, done a great job of building long-term stories and telling long-term stories.
1: That's a good point. And I mean, there was a point in time where WWE actually did do a good job of dragging stories
2: out. A 30 a years ago. Yeah. 30 years we're, ago.
1: We're, we're now many years past that era. And now mm-hmm. we're right. We're we're just we're on for telling four week stories, get to the pay per view, and then we're on to another story. Maybe it's a continuation, kind of like how Seth beat Brock and WrestleMania. Seth cashed in his money in the bank, and then Seth got a bag of SummerSlam. So you might see variations of a story in that way. But most times, <laughs> it's usually just how Dre laid it out. You, you, you get the four weeks, you get to the pay per view, and it's on to something else. Yeah, it's as simple as that.
0: If these gods are TV writers, they should be able to write. Oh, long, arching story. Well, I mean, again, you're sometimes the women one of one man who's almost 80 years old, who runs a company, who changes his mind on every wink. Um, but to make long, arching story plots using and having small subplots using those same characters should be done. I mean, like I said, the <laughs> Mega Powers. It took a year for the Mega Powers to explode and the payoff yeah. was worth it. Yeah. Brett Nolan. That, that's a prime story. Yeah. I mean,
2: and that yeah, that started man. in ninety three. Survivor series ninety three. That started. Yeah. So yep. and they built that all the way to you know WrestleMania 10. Um started on the mega powers. in SummerSlam, yeah, they got mileage out of that, and they had to blow off at SummerSlam in that cage match. Um yeah. and even actually, then no, it,
0: well, it still lingered until uh till then next Survivor, Survivor series. series. Yeah, with that Survivor when, series because he uh, was throwing
2: in the tower and the man, greatest acting job. The greatest acting <laughs> job of all time until Mark Henry a couple of years ago. That was oh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, like you said, so they drug that out for a year. From Survivor Series 93 all the way until Survivor Series 94. They drug that out. So, I mean, they just don't have it in them right now to do that.
0: Dre, I want to ask you, especially as a parent, do you see that getting your kids into to wrestling, it'll be an easy thing? Do you feel like that'll be something that you'd like to pass down?
2: Yeah, definitely, because given my circumstances growing up, it kind of skipped two generations to get to me, right? So It was my great-grandfather. My grandfather wasn't a wrestling fan. My dad wasn't a wrestling fan. Then I was. So, yeah, I would like to pass that down because it's cool, you know. I Actually, it's funny. So I remember going to meet Roddy Piper in 2013. I met him the same day I met Dusty. Ah, God rest both their souls. Miss them both. They're both great guys. They're both great. Um, and there was a little kid in line. He couldn't be more than 10. He doesn't know who Piper is, but the fact that he was there with his dad and his dad was passing that on to him, I wish every time I see a kid at a wrestling show and I'm like, man, I wish my parents would have taken me to wrestling shows. That would have been great. We could have bonded over that. That would have been fantastic. So definitely that would be something I would like to do Um, because, you know what, it is a bonding thing. Number two, it's something you can pass on, and they can pass on to their kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. kids. So it's definitely something I want to do.
0: Yeah, and that's something eventually, if that ever happens for me with kids, is like, yeah, that'd be something nice. I, I know that for a while I sort of got burned out of it. I honestly, other than maybe the the WWE pay-per-views, I don't really watch a lot of WWE stuff now. It's just basically AEW, uh, and I watched that on delay, and then, um, and then NWA, which is pretty much all, you know... I, I say that's all the time I have between working two jobs and all this other stuff. There's not enough time in the world, but I like my SB Nation stuff that I like to, to watch and everything else. It's just like, can I find the time to do everything? It's just sometimes you can't.
2: Nope, you can't. So you do the best you can and that's it. <clears throat> I think a problem mm-hmm. with wrestling culture these days is everybody feels like they have to watch everything to keep up with the Joneses. Like, no, you don't. No, like, I don't care. Yeah, Like, whatever. <clears throat> I watch what I have time to watch. And that's it. Literally, the only way you would have time to watch all this if you were unemployed, that's it. You just watch TV all day. Yeah, that's literally all. Man, I'm that's not trying way. to be
1: unemployed. <laughs> exactly. <Unless you are laughs> extremely
2: rich. And yeah. that's the only way
0: you're unemployed or you're extremely rich.
2: Exactly. Yeah, all rich have out. time all day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I forgot to ask you going to a W at, at the Baltimore <laughs> arena. I have to say first time going to the Baltimore arena ever. Uh, I've been to Caps uh, Capital One Arena a few times. Baltimore Arena, the seats are the most comfortable I've ever had. And I'm a larger guy, and I know sitting in those seats. We went to see a Celine Dion concert, and we sat there. The seats are actually comfortable. They were not bad at all. Going to Capital One Arena, it was like tight. I mean, I've been to Wells Fargo too. Those seats feel like ridiculously restrictive.
2: Would you go there a lot? I don't remember the seats being. I don't remember them being any different, but I might be wrong.
1: I don't recall them being uncomfortable. Whenever I'm, when I'm at rural farms, so that's a good thing. You know, I think how all depends on what you said. I think like once you're at the lower level of rural farms, you you're good. Those seats are pretty comfortable. Um, and I think that they're comfortable in general. Um, let me see, Wells Fargo. I don't recall having tight. particular issues. but they can be tight. Yeah, they can be tight. Yeah, tight, they are tight. But they're but tight. they will be tight for for us regards long legs. And um, what's another the reason
2: way? why I sit in clubs, you get extra leg room. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I mean, I could I could say it's tight, or I could say I don't have enough legs space, but I mean, hey, I don't think I could help that any way I go.
0: But, guys, I really do appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule, especially talk wrestling and your WrestleMania experiences. What are ways that people can reach out to you guys on social media as well and when this episode airs? What are some of the best ways people can reach out to you guys?
2: Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Real Worlds Champ.
1: Yep, I'm on Twitter at Lynn Outlaw. Um, also on Facebook and Instagram, same handle on Instagram at
2: I can
0: only imagine what it's like being in the crowd for major moments in wrestling history, such as the end of The Undertaker's WrestleMania winning streak, Daniel Bryan's epic title win, and much more. Here's to hearing more stories about their trip to Inglewood next year for WrestleMania 37. Next time, in the recognition of the 35th anniversary of the release of Back to the Future, I take part in a crossover episode with the Movies and a Meal podcast, as well as frequent guests to the show, Mark DeMora. We'll discuss the impact the movie had on us, our thoughts on the iconic characters and scenes, and much more. New episodes are available each week on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else podcasts are heard. You can also go to the Sports Refuge website, for a complete archive of episodes. Until next time, this is Earl Holland saying thanks for listening and have a good one. You've been listening to The Sports Refuge podcast. For more information about our show and our guests, go to our website at thesportsrefuge.com. Follow us on Twitter at thesportsrefuge, on Instagram at sportsrefuge sports blog, and on Facebook at thesportsrefuge sports blog.
1: Thank you for listening.